In the middle of July, we celebrated 50 years since the launch of Apollo 11. And landing on the moon on July 20th, 1969, the famous phrase was coined, the eagle has landed. On board this shuttle was the Apollo guidance computer. It was a miniature-sized computer specifically designed for the space shuttle. Before this miniature-sized computer was placed on the shuttle, computers took up the size of whole rooms. And so for them to put a computer on a space shuttle was astonishing. And without this computer, man would not have reached the moon. He would not have stepped onto the moon. That is, if you believe that man did go to the moon. It was the first of its kind. It was smaller than all of the computers, but it still weighed a whopping 70 pounds. But today, there's been quite the advancement when it comes to computers and technology, much due to what happened 50 years ago. But did you know that your cell phone has more power than this computer that was on the space shuttle? But not only that, it also has more power than all of NASA back in 1969 when it placed astronauts on the moon. This type of power on your phone. To put it into further perspective, the main computer on board only had the power to light one smart bulb today. But the Apollo guidance computer had something on today's iPhone and that it was crash-proof. Amen, says the person who has the cracked iPhone screen this morning. This special computer brought about an incredible advancement in technology, and here we are 50 years later. Speaking of iPhones, when you go buy a brand new iPhone, you receive the latest, greatest phone. Then two years later, you're made to feel as if you're in the dark ages because you don't have the next latest, greatest phone. What about doorbells? Doorbells used to be where you would ring the doorbell and it would alert the residents that someone is at the door. Not any longer. Doorbells not only alert the resident, but also allow the resident to see who's at the door and they can talk through the doorbell. All of this while traveling across the country. Much advancement in technology. Speaking of light bulbs, remember the whole clap on, clap off, clap on, clap off. Not anymore. You don't even have to clap. You just say, lights, turn on. No jingle, just lights, turn on. All of this because of what happened 50 years ago. I mean, we could talk about cord cutting when it comes to TV, not umbilical cords. But when it comes to you having your favorite shows that you watch, I have to tell my children that it's not normal that you get to watch your favorite TV show in all the episodes at once. You used to have to wait every Saturday for a new one to come out. But not anymore when you can have everything on demand. You see, things change and are replaced. There are new upgrades. But hopefully some things don't need an upgrade. Like hopefully you're not thinking that you need to upgrade your spouse or your kids today. Maybe, you've, maybe that thought hit you on the way to church this morning. But let us not go there. Without question, 
without question. There's one important thing you cannot update, and that is the Bible. The precious Bible that we hold in our hands as we gather together, there are no upgrades. But it's easy to understand why people think that an upgrade may be necessary if they've never read the Bible, or as they tried to read the Bible, they couldn't understand what they were reading. They put it aside, so this is no good. This is ancient, it's archaic. With all of the upgrades in technology and millions of books written, how does the Bible still relate? How does the Bible still relate to you? And how does the Bible still relate to me? Well, there are many answers to this question. But one solid answer is that in God, there is life. That's what I'm going to speak to you about today. In God, there is life. For the first part of this year, we studied through the book of John. We're only to John chapter 6, and we have ways to go. There's much to discover, but I want to go back. <laughs> so you want to go back? How about we go forward? I want to go back to chapter 5. One verse that we could easily read over, and I just want to expound upon it this morning. It's John chapter 5 verse 26. John chapter 5, verse 26. If you need a pew Bible, please grab the one in front of you or near you, and you can turn to page 890, and you will be there at John chapter 5, verse 26. And now will you take a copy of God's Word, and will you stand with me for the reading of His Word at this time? John chapter 5, Verse 26. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Thank you. You may be seated. The Father has life in himself. Psalm 36 verse 9 confirms, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light, as we sang about just a minute ago, do we see light? Because of your light, we see light. We have life because life is in you. Not only that, so he has granted the son to have life in himself. Does this mean that the son did not have life? before coming to earth. No, it does not mean that. But he granted the son as he came to earth to possess life, to give life. The word granted in the Greek means appointed, assigned. He appointed his son. He assigned his son and gave him life, the life to give to others as he came to this earth. John 4, 14, we read, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. Water that I will give him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It's unending. How can Jesus give this water? Because the water is within him. The life is within him to give. So where did God get this life? When did he receive this life? Did he advance into Godhood and receive life as a reward? As the latter-day saints would teach today, 
the Mormon church, that God, uh, it was a process for him to come into deity? No. He has always existed as God. So did he snatch life from the jaws of defeat? No. Because God has no rival. He has always possessed life in himself. When we speak of life, we hear sayings like, oh, go get a life to someone who gets on our nerves. Or that person is full of life. They enjoy life to the fullest. Or you only have one life to live. YOLO, you only live once. There are many ways in which we speak of life, but here in John... Jesus isn't talking about the life that comes with birthday cards and a death certificate. He is speaking of eternal life, that which is forever, never ending. He has life in himself. That is why we read in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. For it could only be that way. Because he has always been. In the beginning, God. Where was man when God spoke the world into existence? He wasn't. He wasn't around until God created him. God created man not from a mighty tree, or a roaring river. He didn't chisel him out of mountain rock or create him from a powerful whirlwind, but from the dust of the ground, from dirt. I mean, God made dirt and dirt don't hurt, but it does something to our self-esteem when we're reminded that we were made from dust. But from the dust... He breathed life into man. God breathed life into man because in him is the resource of life. And then he took a rib and he made woman. Because when you're God, that's what you do. You take from the side and you make a help meet both precious, both valuable, but together both coming from dirt. This is the position that we must find ourselves before a holy God in the dust. Because if we're not careful, we'll begin to think that we were created from something more. Man received life from God which was most precious. But then he said, thanks, but no thanks. Yes, I wasn't around before you breathed life into me and took a rib and made my spouse. Yes, we get that we were not here, but there's gotta be more to life than what you've given us. The age old temptation that we still struggle with today. Teenagers, you face this temptation. There's constantly the pressure that there's more out there for you 
Understand, you don't get more than what God provides for you. Adam and Eve did not understand this, and they said thanks, but no thanks. Genesis chapter 3. And from this, they surely died. But God remained full of life. The fall did not affect God, but it brought death to humanity. Why? Because God is self-existent. He does not rely on man. He does not need us in order to exist. God does not receive his name, identity, or existence from man. So what would happen if you did not look for God? If you did not speak the name of God, he still exists, he still reigns, he's still full of life, which means what a joy, a privilege that we can be brought into Christ Jesus and that we can declare the goodness and life of God. God was not looking for something or someone to satisfy himself. He was not bored. He was not lonely. He was not needy. I love this quote from Martin Luther. The love of God does not find, but creates that which is pleasing to it. God was not creating us in order to find something that was missing within himself. No, he created that which was lovely to him, a creation in his own image. God loves himself. He loves himself so much. That may sound weird. Because if we are to go out into the streets and say, man, I love myself. I'm good. I'm full of life. I'm beautiful. People look at us a little strange. Why? Because life doesn't begin in us. But God has every right and he is just to declare that life is in him. So if his creation rejected him, what would God do next? What happens next? He made them in his own image. He made them because he loves them and they reject him. What next? Well, really, it wasn't about a next because there was an always in place. Jesus was always the plan. Ephesians 1, 4 and 5. As Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, this is what he writes to the church. He says, even as he chose us in him, that being chose the church in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. There's so much in these two verses, but what we'll take away from it this morning is that Jesus has always been the plan. And that in Christ, by his love, he has chosen a people for himself to redeem you say, this threatens my will. 
This is opposing my will, but what it should do for the church is give us comfort. That this is a great love that has been expressed towards us and that the salvation that we have received from Christ Jesus is indeed a gift given to us and it's not of ourselves. For you see, man could not snatch life from the jaws of defeat. He could not work his way back to life. He was now dead in his sins. Man does not arrive or advance or do anything apart from the grace of God. A movie that's been around for a long time is The Wizard of Oz. Just by show of hands, do I have any other fans of The Wizard of Oz? Yeah. All generations can watch The Wizard of Oz and have an appreciation for it. (laughs) But unlike The Wizard of Oz, we do not set out on a yellow brick road like Dorothy and Scarecrow and Tin Man, Cowardly Lion and Toto. In search of the great Oz who can make everything better again. We were not headed in God's direction when he found us and secured us for salvation. But he was headed our way. And he did not travel a yellow brick road, but he did did travel the road to Calvary. One that was filled with violence, mockery, an outright hatred towards the God of the world. And he followed that road all the way to the cross, where he willingly laid down his life for the sins of man. This is the road that he traveled. He made it possible because he came to us. I implore you today to have faith in this good news. This is indeed the gospel in which we stand. It's not optional. It's necessary. Do you believe this good news? Have you confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord? That he walked the road for you? That he went all the way to the cross and willingly laid down his life for your sins? I was reading to my sons the other night, And after we prayed, I asked them this question, which I often do. Boys, do you have any questions for me that maybe I can help answer? Anything that you're dealing with that you would like to ask at this time? My oldest son, Brooker, looked at me. He said, yes, Dad, I I have a question. How do we know? How do we know for sure that we're going to be in heaven? I said, son, that's a great question. We know because we believe in what God has done. And we trust it. We confess that it is true and we believe it. That's how we know. Because we do not find ourselves in that position all by ourselves. It requires God's grace for us to believe that this is indeed true and we confess it. And within that, there is our security 
Maybe you're dealing with that right now. You're struggling. You're going, I don't know if I'm really saved. I mean, my behavior doesn't really say that I'm saved. What if I was saved, but maybe I thought I was saved, but I'm not really saved. Do you believe in this gospel? You confess that it is the only way, that it is the only truth. There is your security. For salvation is possible as God awakens us from the dead, number one. He awakens us from the dead. All of us in our sin, because of Adam and Eve, are dead. Not just sleeping heavily. Dead. No pulse for the glory of God. But yet, by God's grace, he awakens us. And we say, I can relate to this. I I remember this moment when I heard the name of Jesus as if I was hearing it for the first time ever. As he awakened you from the dead. But not only does he awaken us from the dead, he enlightens us to our great need of life found only in him. He brings the enlightenment. You say, but yeah, I had faith. I had knowledge of God. Isn't that accredited to me? No, it's accredited to God. His goodness, his grace, taking your depraved mind, a mind that was against him, rebelling against him, not desiring him, trying to come up with ways on your own, and then all of a sudden there's a change in you. And you say, I need him. I need him. And then he enables us to call upon Christ and be set free from the bondage and dominion of sin. By his grace, we are enabled to freely approach a holy God through Christ Jesus. And by his grace, salvation is made possible as he empowers us to walk faithfully in Christ until the end. So how can I be faithful? Because God will empower you through the Holy Spirit. That's God's goodness. That's God giving you life Eternal life, as I believe Brother John preached just recently, is not that we just get to heaven, is that we know God. What a great promise, what a great truth. He empowers us to know him and walk faithfully in Christ until the end. With this in mind, I'll read this quote from one of my favorite pastors, Michael Reeves. Sinners are attractive because they are loved, not because they made themselves attractive. I'll say it one more time. Sinners are attractive because they are loved, not because they made themselves attractive. You may be here today and you're striving in life to make yourself more pleasing to God so that he'll receive you, that you'll clean up your life and then come to God asking people the question, what hinders you from following Christ? They say, I need to fix some things in my life first. And you go, no, that's not your job. You'll do a terrible job at it. You'll make a bigger mess. Just confess that you can't do it and trust in him. He'll make you attractive. But let us be honest, when it comes to our relationship with God, he's the attractive one in the relationship, is he not? Is he not the beautiful one? Don't act like you haven't done that before where you looked at a couple and said, which one's the more attractive one? God is most attractive. 
And what a joy that we have in boasting of His beauty, His majesty. He is love. He is goodness. He is truth. And He saves us. Us being sinners who did not love Him, who were not good, and who did not rejoice in the truth. If you're here today and you're saying, what's my purpose? Why am I here? Hear this clearly. God creates not to experiment, but to establish, to put into place. Everything has a purpose for His glory. That's why you cannot replace God's Word. Because going outside of this, we discover a different purpose for living. But everything has its place for the glory of God. That's where it all begins. That's where it stands. That's where it forever will be. Teenagers, I think about as you walk the hallways in the next couple of weeks, at your age, there is a struggle to discover your identity. There may be certain people that you're attracted to that you want to be like or you want to hang out with. Or you may say, no, I'm good. I'll just hang out with me. And you're good right there. But I want to encourage you that there is a purpose for you being here. It's heartbreaking to hear of young people or any person that would take their life because they don't feel like they belong here. You're here because God made you. But that's not where it stops. He'll give you life. Will you put your faith and trust in Him that He is the giver of life and not your friends, not your parents, not your teachers, not your coaches. Oh my goodness, not your coaches. They may, they may act like they give you life. And we appreciate you coaches. You keep doing a good job. But you're not the giver of life, no matter how intimidated parents are of you. God gives you life. When it comes to salvation, the grace of God is given to us first and foremost so that we may glorify God in his holiness. This before anything else. Not long ago, I heard a pastor say that the main purpose, the most important reason for the grace of God and him saving you is so that you'll go tell other people about him. And I heard that and I thought, that's good, but that's not true. That's good, but it's not true. It's not the main purpose. No, no, no. It's not just that we go tell other people about him. The main purpose for God giving us his grace and saving us is so that we glorify him. That we make much of him. That's where it begins. Man, that drives out all self-pity, does it not? Man, we can start feeling sorry for ourselves, wrapped up in our own lives, but when it's about making much of God, it drives out the darkness of self-pity. Our esteem is built on Christ and not our own works. What a wonderful place to stand in Christ Jesus when he's given us his grace so that we make much of him. It's in this that we have life. This is where we have life. In our travels during our sabbatical, 
we went to one local church in Jacksonville, Florida, Shallow Metropolitan Baptist Church, Pastor H.B. Charles. And as we walked through the front door, there was a sweet lady named Miss Claire. Miss Claire welcomed us. She helped us to the nursery where we could drop our daughter off for the service. She helped us back to the worship center to find our seats. Uh, she introduced us to people around. Pastors came up and talked to us. And, and then after the service, she found us. She asked me where we were from. I, I said, we're from Valdosta, Georgia, Perimeter Road Baptist Church. I'm sure you've heard of it. And, but no joke, when, when Miss Claire came back on her phone, Curry saw it, she had our website pulled up and a picture of Joby on there. She's probably thinking, who do you allow on your staff? I, I don't know. But no joke, you, you were on the screen. And so she was looking us up and she said, we're so glad that you came today. And she said, would you like to go meet the pastor who preached today? I said, I sure would. I, I love that. She walked us up there, talked to the pastor. Great conversation. And she said, let's, let's go get a niece. She remembered our daughter's name, took us to the nursery, received Denise, and as we were leaving, uh, we stopped by a help desk, and, and uh, she said, here, here's a message from today, uh, what do you call that, CD, yeah, of the message today, and, and over to the right is our, our bookstore, and so if you, any resources you'd like to, to look over, there, it's right there. Interesting thing about that bookstore, it used to be two rooms, just storage closets, Pastor H.B. said, we, we want to make a bookstore, so let's clean out these storage rooms, which can be quite the feat. <laughs> and let's knock down walls, and let's build a nice bookstore. And as, as they were knocking down walls, they realized something very important, and they called Pastor H.B. They said, hey, we've come across a beam that we did not know was in the wall. We can't take that beam down. We take the beam down, the whole structure falls. So what should we do? off for a minute? It's an easy answer. You build around the beam. Oftentimes, we make it very complicated, don't we? Where do we go with our lives? What do we do next? It's very simple. We build it around the beam. You remove the beam, the structure falls. You remove the beam for a season and you're inviting destruction into your life. The beam is necessary. And there's no other beam to replace it. I wanted to bring this simple but yet sobering message to you today from God's Word. Because as we enter into this fall season, it's almost like a new year, school starting back, football season, soccer season. Had to throw that in there for the soccer fans. There's a newness and a freshness. But may we be a people here at Perimeter Road that recognize the beam and build our lives around it. May it be most precious in our lives. 
We began by talking about the Apollo and the Apollo guidance computer. And now it's just an archive collecting dust. But for good reason. Because something else better came along. It would be ridiculous for us to all carry around 70-pound computers on our back. It's much better to have something lightweight that fits within our pocket. It's collecting dust, but there is no good reason for our Bibles to collect dust. Because nothing better has come along and nothing ever will. It is a most precious possession given to us by the grace of God. May we cherish the Word of God as it faithfully reminds us daily that in God there is life. Let us pray together. Father, we thank you that you are the giver of life. And as the life giver, your resources never run dry. It's an eternal fountain. May we trust your word. May we confess that Jesus is Lord. May we believe you that you have washed our sins away and that really when you look at us, you see the righteousness of your son Jesus. May this be our confidence as we live out the days that you provide for us. And may we be unashamed of this message that we have received today. May we be a people that take serious your word, not only value your word, but rejoice in your word. Father, I pray for this local church that where we struggle in seasons of apathy, you would refresh us with an eagerness to learn more about you. Where we become bored and do not live our days with purpose, bring a deep conviction and remind us that you establish our steps. And when we do not love you, Father, by your grace, remind us once again of how much you love us so that we may better love you and love others around us. In you is life. May we dive deep into this life this week. 
For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.